Bird's Eye View is a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network. Find more podcasts like this at BaltimoreSportsReport.com. BaltimoreSportsReport.com. Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for lack of insight and for baseless opinion. Today is September 12th, 2016, and this is episode 180. My name is Jake English, and I'm here, as always, riding on the coattails of Scott Magnus. If you're listening to my voice right now, you're most likely doing it on our website, which is birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can also find us as a member of the Baltimore Sports Report Network at baltimoresportsreport.com slash network. And we're also over at BaseballTalkRadio.com. You can find this show on Google Play Music and iTunes. And if you do, please rate and review our show. We greatly appreciate it. You can find us all over social media in various and sundry places. The best place, of course, is Twitter, where we tweet at BirdseyeViewBAL. And before we get any further, uh, a little bit of housekeeping. I want to let everybody know we do have to move the Birdland Bash, which was scheduled for this Saturday, September 17th. Apologize for the late notice, and we're thrilled with the RSVPs that have been coming in, so we'll definitely reschedule. Uh, unfortunately, getting a field in Baltimore City can take some time, so we don't have an exact time or place yet, but we will keep you posted. I apologize for our uh, scheduling snafu. Baltimore City bureaucracy at its finest. <laughs> and with that... Scott Magnus, what is your drink of the week? Jake, I'm cleaning up the garage, and I came across a Harp Premium Imported Lager. So I decided to drink that tonight. I'm jealous. That's not what I find when I clean out the garage. Uh, I myself am drinking a Loose Cannon, my my very favoritist beer. Oh, boy. What a beer. No, no, no. This is a real beer. A An, real, right. A real Baltimore beer. A real oh, boy. Beer. What a beer. All right. Uh, for that, folks that want to follow us on Untapped, Jake E four zero two five, myself M A G eight six zero six. Let's go ahead and uh, dabble in medical wing and figure out when our liver is going to give out on us. Wait for it. There it is. It's okay if you giggle. Yeah, it'll only take a little. So speaking about tickling, um, that's pe- your your segue game is is not on point tonight. Yeah, people are getting healthy though. That's a positive. Yeah, that is a good thing. This team is pretty healthy right now, with one or two major exceptions. Of course, we've got uh, Darren O'Day, who still hasn't seen the light of day. Boom. Uh, he's. Did, did gonna, you mean to do that? No. Okay. No. I would. I would love to say that I did, but. No. So he's going to pitch a sim game. Tomorrow, sim game. Is that what's going yeah. on? Uh, after the sim game, if it goes well, is he back? Sounds like it'd be a good opportunity to get him back during the race series and kind of break him in on a AAA team. <laughs> the other injury that I wanted to mention was Chris Davis, yeah. who was playing through it, has a sore left palm. Yeah, I've had that happen to me before. Yeah, slightly different situation. He took a swing and grimaced, and everybody said, oh, God, oh, God, what happened? And then he got taken out of the game, and everybody said, oh, God, oh, God, what happened? I thought we would have another oblique musical moment. Uh, instead, it's this bruised palm. He's uh, he's doing okay playing through it, and I, I think if you're going to have an injury for the big fella, uh, this is about as, as much as you could hope for. And we're still kind of crossing our fingers about Chris Tillman. Came back today so that he felt pretty normal. But until we see him come back out for his next start and we see how he responds, um, you're definitely in a wait-and-see aspect with Chris Tillman. So he, he, he's out of the medical wing, but he's in a comeback and we'll reevaluate you in a, in a week or two. I was very impressed with what I saw from him. I was glad that he's healthy. The other thing I've been keeping my eye on is Adam Jones. I've been keeping my eye on Adam Jones for every time he has to run to see how that hamstring is holding up. He seems okay. He seems all right. 
uh, here on Monday night in the debacle that's taking place in Boston. Uh, he did uh, foul a ball directly off the top of his foot, so uh, Adam Jones is going to be banged up one way or the other. All right. 140 characters or less? Let's do it. This week on the Twitters, we're going to start off with a, a great listener to the show and, and also a great Orioles fan to run into and around town. Uh, Lila Shapiro-Seer, at Lila SC, tweets as follows. Oriole peeps, colon, September 12th, and we're in this thing for real. Let's take a moment to be grateful. And uh, I couldn't help but agree. This is a good time for the baseball team to be playing well and a good time to uh, to remember it wasn't always like this. Next tweet goes into the memories. Talking about memories. This comes from Utah Street Report at Utah ST Report. Hardy doubles into what I like to call the cruise corner. Ooh. Those are fun memories. Cruise corner. That's like an that. excellent call, an excellent pull. I like that indeed. Next, we've got a tweet from Hardball Talk. Uh, they tweet, of course, at Hardball Talk. Caleb Joseph hasn't driven in a run this season. Uh, with a nice picture of Caleb Joseph holding a bat on his back, which just shows that he doesn't hold it with any authority. Uh, so interesting. If you go to Getty Images and you search Caleb Joseph bat, that's pretty much every single image is a, a bat on his shoulder this year. Yeah. So it's it's not just our little secret. Everyone around the country knows that Caleb Joseph uh, is futile. Yeah. That's a little harsh. Just not that good. Um, so uh, this is going to go into the whoopsies category. Um, this tweet comes from Andrew Stetka. Um, you can follow him at a Stetka and check out his uh, columns. On Mondays on Mass and Sports and also on Thursdays on Utah Street Report. Um, at Bird's Eye VBL, Jake totally glazed over the fact that Scott said the Orioles acquired Jason Bourne this week. What What are you talking about? What's, what's wrong with this? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I thought you had the correct Bourne identity. Yeah. Ba-boom. That one I did mean. Yeah, that, 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 that wasn't, was, wasn't quite as good. See? Yeah, we'll try to be better next time about fringe players. We'll try. The best part about that is that he tweeted it out and I was like, wait a minute, Scott didn't say that. And then I went back and listened. I was like, holy crap, Scott uh, We said definitely that. said that. <laughs> I, I was there to defend your honor, and then it didn't happen. Alcohol be alcohol. All right, final one, Jake. I threw this one as an extra on for the, uh, onto, onto the Twitters for you. Uh, this goes into the, oh, baby, category. And it's not Jim, Jim Palmer related? It is not Jim Palmer related. It is uniform related. Ooh. So this comes from Adam Jones at Simply AJ10. For a strong September playoff push, the OGs at Nike Baseball created me something never before seen. Fire emoji, fire emoji, fire emoji. Hashtag stay hungry. I like I like the uh, I like the verbal fire emoji. That's that's nice. I gotta say though, these uh these like orange and black camo shoes, uh, they're pretty money. Um, I would be definitely rocking those shoes on a daily basis if uh if you were to put major, them out. If you were major, if Nike were to put that out to the mass public, I would be buying those instantly. So yeah, those are some pretty sweet looking shoes. So well done, Adam Jones. Well done. Um, anything else that you wanted to cover in the twat, or you just want to go ahead and get right into? As the rotation turns. As the world turns. This portion brought to you today by Dawn. Dawn definitely does not support this broadcast because this broadcast is definitely not squeaky clean. I got to tell you, our our sponsorship has really come a long way. Um, Okay, if you say so. So, as the rotation turns, we've hit September and the tattered remains of the pitching staff has resurrected as the Phoenix, as it were, in certain regards. And then others have basically died a horrible death and continue to do so. All right, so the rotation has been up. It's been down all season, and and really, it's as, hot and it's cold. It's yes and it's no. You stop that, sir. <laughs> it's not necessarily as goes the rotation, so goes the team, but kind of. I mean, it's possible. It's very possible that the Orioles are going to go through a period where the rotation is overall pretty strong, and that leads them into into the playoffs. But I think if that's going to happen, it needs to come on the back of Chris Tillman. He's back. He pitched a very encouraging game the other day. And so I ask you, Scott, is Chris Tillman back to being first half Chris Tillman or 
Do we need to wait and see what starts two and three look like after coming back from the DL? I've already kind of mentioned this before when we were in the medical wing. I think we definitely need to wait till starts two or three. I'd even say starts four, uh, depending on who Chris Tillman's going against. I'm kind of thinking off through my head, I think he's going to go against the Rays next. So if he's going against the Rays, you know, we might be able to take some out of it. But again, I'm not going to really hold my hat and say, yep, we've got the Chris Tillman of old back. I, I still come back to, yes, it's great to get Chris Tillman back into the rotation, but this team has really been flourishing since he's been out with other members, with Kevin Gossman and Baldo Menes, just like we talked about. But it is definitely an added boost to get a Chris Tillman back. I don't care if people thinking he was a previous Cy Young candidate or you know thinking that he's an ace-like pitcher. He's still a number two or number three pitcher on any team in the American League right now that's in the playoff spot. And that's definitely a boon and a benefit for a team in the playoff push. I was really surprised to see him come back and throw quite so many pitches. He was over 100 Shocked. pitches, six innings. Uh, what what do, what do you think that means, if anything? Does that mean that he's back and the training wheels are off and Buck is going to use him like Buck's always used him? Or is that a indictment of the bullpen? I think it's both. I, I, I think Buck really wanted that game on Sunday. I mean, really badly wanted that game on Sunday. Um, and he knew that he could get three innings from his bullpen reliably in a close game. He could go to Brock, Givens, and Britton. And if he goes and takes Tillman out in the sixth, it's kind of a, I'm putting myself in a precarious position. Am I better off pushing Tillman and seeing how much he can go through the sixth inning? Or am I better off bringing in a player like Tommy Hunter or another one of the bullpen arms and risking it? And again, if you lose that lead, are the Orioles going to be able to come back on the road? And I loved what I saw. I mean, not only from the effectiveness to the velocity. I mean, it was it was everything. Tillman literally had everything going on. And I was not expecting him to be quite so crisp coming right out of the gate like that. I uh, definitely wasn't expecting it either. Um, but I think the big story is Buck Showalter has been very aggressive with his starting pitching um, and, and kind of pushing them after, you know, potential injury concerns. Dylan Bundy was one. And him basically pushing him. Chris Tillman was another. Even earlier in the season, Giovanni Gardo kind of got pushed um, for multiple innings, probably too long in certain instances. But um, Buck has really been pushing back on the starters and saying, all right, you're back on this team from the DL. I'm going to make it and basically push you to try to be, you know, the starter that you were when we brought you up. So just just an interesting thing. All right. So Chris Tillman, maybe he's back. Hopefully he's back. Do you think he's back fully? I think he's back. Okay. So you're going to be the optimist here. I'm going to be the pessimist and say I have to see more before I make that that decision. Sure. I mean, it, it could be. You know, the wheels could come off. But I was really enthused by what I saw. And I, I choose to live in a world in which Chris Tillman is back. Okay. That's fine. Um, next comment. I actually put a poll out on Twitter um, earlier this morning. And I asked, if Chris Tillman does come back and he is healthy, who's the odd man out? And I put out there... Uh, Wade Miley, Giovanni Gallardo, and Dylan Bundy. And I think Dylan Bundy was a surprise pick for a lot of players. But if you actually look at the numbers for the second half, um, you know, Dylan Bundy's been pretty poor in terms of command, um, which really raises the question of is Dylan Bundy um, overexerting himself because he's basically at his innings limit? And would it be more beneficial to put Dylan Bundy back into the bullpen? and start getting him ready for a potential playoff run and use Dylan Bundy similar to like a Kevin Gosman-like role that she did in 2014. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about it all season. Is he out of innings? You know, did, did, are we going to throw his arm off? Um, I, I think what's interesting to me about the Dylan Bundy situation is Dylan Bundy could be running out of innings. He could be out of gas. Uh, or he could be just going through the ups and downs that normal starting pitchers go through in a season and with a shorter amount of time, we're seeing it now here in August and September instead of seeing it throughout the rest of the season. Remember, he was only thrust into the starting rotation at a very late point in this season. Um, so every time I, I watch him you know, struggle for a couple of starts, yeah, my first thought is, oh, God, please don't be hurt. Oh, God, please don't be hurt. And my next thought is, okay, am I putting too much emph- emphasis on what's going on right now because we're in the middle, in the middle of what I hope to be a pennant race? Or is this just a thing that happens to starting pitchers sometimes? So there's a few things here. Um, Bundy's walk per nine has uh, bounced up to 3.67, which, again, is not terrible. But the other thing that kind of irks me to a certain regard is home runs per nine has jumped to 1.92. It certainly seems like he's been grooving a little bit more balls out there. 
um, especially some of his breaking balls, and that that breaking ball is not working as well as it was earlier this season. Um, is it a fatigue thing? It doesn't really make sense so much from a breaking ball standpoint. Maybe it's just, maybe you're right. Maybe it's just a touch in the field situation and he just doesn't have it right now and he's going to eventually get it back. But I think it's definitely something that the Orioles have to keep an eye on and say, well, if the velocity looks okay, which it does right now, um, what else is going wrong? Yeah, and I, and I don't want to make excuses for him either. I mean, he may be at the end of his rope, and I, I don't want to make it sound like I'm I'm saying it's not the case. But I think when you look at some of the other alternatives that the Orioles have for the starting rotation, I do think that one through five, Bundy presents the best option for you moving forward. All right, so then we're left with Wade Miley and Giovanni Gallardo, which I expected to be the two front runners. I didn't expect too many people to pick Dylan mm-hmm. Bundy, but I wanted to put it out there and point out you know, Dylan Bundy hasn't been that great post All Star break. Now, did you have a post or did you have a poll that asked which of these two pitchers would you like to fire into the sun? I, I did not. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's so, that should be the next one. I, and we're actually speaking about this on Monday night, and Wade Miley has put up a um, an atrocious game. Is the best way to describe it? No, no, he, he put together an atrocious four outs. Okay, he he put together an atrocious start. We'll, we'll go with that. I don't think he ever got start. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, but there's a few things that I think are interesting here. I, looking at the peripheral numbers, you look at Wade Miley, 8.27 Ks per nine, 3.04 walks per nine. And then I go to Giovanni Gardo, 6.07 Ks per nine and 4.55 walks per nine. Uh, Jake, are, if you're just looking at walks and strikeouts, don't you give a little more credence back to Wade Miley? Um, I, I like Wade Miley, uh, more, but for a different reason. Okay. If you're looking at the two, yes, standing them up side by side, all right, you look at the performance and you say, which of these disasters cost us a draft pick? Mm. Wade Miley did not. He wins. He wins in my book. Okay. So the question still comes back to Jake, if you're kicking someone out of the rotation, are you still kicking Wade Miley out? I think I am. Okay. I think I am. And, and the thing is, is that the reason is because if you're asking me which pitcher does not deserve to be in the starting rotation, that's that's a one question. But if you're asking me which of those two do you think would better assume a role in the bullpen, my answer is Wade Miley. Yeah, that's, that, that, that's a great point um, that, that you're making there is Wade Miley going into that TJ McFarland longman left-handed role would be really intriguing for me in the September slash playoff run, I could see Wade Miley making some contribution in some scenario against a left-handed batter and kind of leveraging with Donnie Hart as a potential loogie um, in in late September slash potential playoff baseball. And, you know, we haven't seen very many good innings lately, I feel, from Vance Worley. But there was a period when he was that next guy up, that next long guy up, sure. when a when a start went bad. And I feel like Wade Miley might be able to fill that particular role better than, say, a Giovanni Gallardo. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I do not believe that Gallardo has pitched out of the bullpen in quite some time. I believe you're right about that. And and I don't think that he would make the transition quite as quite as well. I think you're right about that. I will I will check that while we are still we get our crack staff of researchers yeah. on that while we're while we're stalling. The the question basically comes down to that though. It is Wade Miley or or uh Giovanni Gallardo, well, right? W- well, what about a six-man rotation? Buck has mentioned a six-man rotation to kind of help out with some of the health concerns going forward from Bundy and Chris Tillman. Um, and then also to kind of maybe stretch out the gaps between Gallardo, Miley, and Jimenez and all being used. Again, if you're going to go to long men, why not go ahead and just say, you know, we're just going to stretch this out to a six-man rotation because in reality, nobody's really that great. Sure. Um, so my question about the six-man rotation is this. If you go through, how many games do we have left? Like 20. 20, 20 games? We got 20 okay. games left. So you got four starts for five starters? Yes. Uh, do you want fewer starts available to the the good pitchers? No. I, see, I don't I don't like that scenario either. If it, I if want it, more starts for Kevin Gossman, and I want more starts for Chris Tillman right now. Right, and and Dylan Bundy. Right, those those three guys I want to get every fifth day. And to a certain regard, I for Chris Tillman, we were just talking about like I'm not going to trust him until the fourth start. I think I was one saying, and now I'm thinking like, well, the fourth start probably will be in the playoffs. <laughs> all things considering, right? So. It really makes sense to get Tillman and get Gossman on track to also 
maybe even be working along lines of, all right, let's start getting you ready to work like four game in a four game series basically and say, all right, you're going to be coming off of four days rest and get you ready for it. Um, it would be a really weird move for them to go anything different than a five man. Um, I think it'd be extremely different for Buck to go to a four man, but we talked about this earlier in the season with not many great starting pitching options. Does it make sense to come back and just say, you know what, Gallardo, go out there and give me three or four innings and I'm going to bring in Miley behind you and we're going to try to take care of this. Tyler Wilson, right to follow, followed by Vance Worley, and we'll just pray for the rest. Yeah. Yeah, that, that plan seems okay until you get a, a start like you got tonight on Monday where Wade Miley goes so ridiculously short and the rest, you know, the rest is just, that's all she wrote. Um, I, I wonder if, you know, Miley or Gallardo or whoever it is is going to be the weakest link just gets skipped an extra time. You know, if you've got six. So he gets the Hennemann's treatment, yeah, basically. You have six starters that you can depend on. Uh, and that's really funny. You know, we just talked about Tillman and, and Gosman and maybe Bundy as being dependable starters you want to give more starts to. But honestly, at this point, we also have to lump Jimenez in there as far, as far as being effective starters at this point, right? Until he turns back into whatever he was previously. But yeah, right now he is right up there as a pitcher, just like Chris Tillman in terms of effectiveness. So, and is again, is that all just repeating delivery and, and, you know, consolidated mechanics what what do we think is different um i think it's partly mechanics and i think it's also kind of partly confidence honestly i hate to go rick dempsey but once you've had a one really good start like that and you kind of build on it i think that he's got a a sense of you know what my team needs me i'm gonna go out there and kind of do it but i definitely think the reason why it's happening differently is he's gone to a more compact delivery but i don't think it's just that i think it's also the heart and the guts aspect of it too so did did abaldo jimenez look into your eyes before this podcast did he, did he say that he needed just a little bit more and and you were willing to give it to him dude that? he's been having some really like great quotes to folks lately and it's just it's it's kind of less like oh i feel so bad that i've torched him like this but um yeah i mean it's hard not to root for abaldo jimenez right now that's that's the best way to put it and honestly it's always been that way i yeah. mean I, I think that part of the reason that we're as a fan base so upset with Baldo Jimenez is that we just want to love him. Right. Right. I mean, yes, he got a bunch of money to come here for four years and yes, that's, that's significant. And yes, we're, you know, watching him struggle. But the thing is that we just want him to do well. We're, we're incredibly frustrated, you know, for him and with him. Um, so, you know, the thing about Baldo Jimenez now is that I, I will take every good start I can squeeze out of him because honestly, Anything good we get out of them is just gravy at this point, right? right? Yeah, I totally agree. So with the lacking of the starting rotation, we kind of mentioned this about you know getting ready for the playoffs. But if the Orioles go into the playoffs and they go into a, let's say, an ALDS or an ALCS, what's the kind of – how are you setting up your rotation going forward? Well, I mean, obviously Tillman and Gosman are there. Are, are you pitching Tillman first? If it comes down to a wild card game, which it probably will, let's be honest with ourselves, folks – if it comes down to a wild card game, are you throwing Tillman or are you throwing Gosman out there? I throw Tillman. I throw Tillman too. Yeah. And I know Gosman has been better by the peripheral aspects, but I go back to Tillman and say, you're our ace. You've led us here this whole way. We're going to trust you, you know, and we're just, you're, you're, you're the anchor on this team. Yeah. And, and it's such a far cry from the Tillman that got torched in the first inning in that Pittsburgh game. Right, it's so far from the Tillman who you you didn't really trust every time he went out there. This season, he's been a guy that even when he's not on his game, you feel like he can go five innings and keep you in it. And uh, that's a rare quality among starters these days in Baltimore. So yeah, he's he's definitely the guy I would want in a uh, in a one game. All right, so Tillman and then Gossman. Jimenez has got to be your third, yeah, right? He's uh, he's your Bud Norris, basically. Don't you ever say that again. All right. And then game four, do you come back to Tillman or do you say, you know what, we're going to go to Dylan Bundy and we're going to give him the ball? I I go with Bundy and I go with Bundy in a short leash. Yeah, I agree. I go with Bundy and I say, give us four innings yep. and say, give us four innings and that's all I need you for is four innings and just throw your heart out and basically we'll we'll make do with it if we have to get there. And at that point, if they, you know, has to get to a game five, then you just go back to Chris Tillman and say, all right. 
we started with you. We're going to end with you. Save our season, basically, and go from there. So, all right. I'm glad we're on the same page on a majority of these topics. So the the question is, is will the Orioles hold up their end of the bargain? Will they, will this rotation still be worth talking about next week? Uh, you know what? I, I think overall it comes back to what we talked about the entire season where the Orioles in September have been mediocre is the best way to describe it. Even with some of the flubs that have happened, I think the Orioles, when I looked at the starting rotations, like 18th right now in ERA. And I said at the very beginning of the season, if the Orioles can be middle of the road with a starting rotation, they are going to win the division. If the Orioles can remain in the middle of the road with their rotation, the way this offense is playing and the way that I expect this offense to continue down the stretch, I think that the Orioles have a great chance to win the division. And I think it's almost guaranteed they get a playoff spot out of it too. Now, if the rotation absolutely collapses in these past next two weeks or so, then I think the playoffs are on the line. But I, I think the Orioles are going in and having a very good chance going forward with how everything is setting up. Now you talk about the playoffs being on the line. Yes. I want to talk about that very topic, and I want to talk about it a slightly different angle. Scotty, so few games remain. And the Orioles, uh, as of before this game closes tonight on Monday, are two games out of first place and tied with Toronto for the first wild card spot, uh, two games above uh, the Texas Rangers uh, for the second wild card spot. And so the Orioles are playing for their playoff life here in September. You know, we talked about it for 15 years. Meaningful games in September. That's all we want. That's what we've got. But the problem is, is that with such high stakes every night, the wins feel great, but the losses are agonizing. And fans in general, and and I am as guilty as, as anybody. Very guilty. Fans in general. Very guilty. Freak out and lose their minds over a lot of losses. Losses that are just one in 162. But here in September, it is, a, as Buck Showalter always says, a separate season. The Orioles have these very, you know, 20 games ahead of them and possibly nothing else. And so because of that, losses are agonizing. And it got me thinking, you know, the Orioles lost uh, that uh, first game against the Rays. Yeah. And they lost, what was it, the uh, game against the, the first Tigers. First game against the Tigers. Back-to-back. Uh, just gut-wrenching losses. Gut-wrenching not only because of the game themselves, but the meaning that they took in the standings. And that's that's what really hurt. I thought back a little bit to the, se- the series that they played against Toronto. Coming in, uh, you know, in front of an empty house, three games back out of first place, playing the team that you're three back from, and they dropped two of three. Those losses really hurt. But I got me thinking... What are the losses you remember? You know, like, sure, right now it hurts, and it hurts right now, but how do you feel tomorrow? Like, Scotty, once the Orioles dropped that first game in uh, the Detroit season or series, how how did you feel the next day? You know, was it just, oh, it's, today's another day and, and we're done? Or does that stuff linger? I, I think losing Friday's game, I wasn't so much upset with it. I was more just nervous going ahead because I was thinking to myself, well, if they lose tonight, then we are not in a terrible position, but we're putting ourselves behind the eight ball. Um, but I wouldn't say it was a situation where, look, there we've talked about this a lot in the, in the past few weeks. Birdland's gone pretty much collectively crazy. Let's, let's be honest, including yourself, Mr. English. And you kind of have, um, you've made mountains out of molehills to a certain regard of being like, oh my gosh, they lost on Friday night. The season is over. Pack it up, everybody. It's done. And then the Orioles win on Saturday. You're just like, all right, that's nice. But, you know, Tillman's coming back and, you know, he's coming off an injury. So and it's Verlander and he's Verlander. So it's probably not going to happen. So, again, we'll be down another game. And, you know, this series was a complete wash. And then it's like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. We won. I can't believe this. This is the greatest team ever. And then they come out to go against Wade Miley, 
versus David Price, and you know what's going to happen, and then you see it happen, you're just like, oh, I can't believe this happened tonight. You knew it was going to happen. Everybody knew it was going to happen. But this is the whole thing. Like, we talk about this whole thing of it's a long freaking season. It's not anymore, though. It's it not is a long, a season. long season. You have no season left. We just talked about it last week, and you said every single game is important. They've got to win every single game. And the whole thing is they don't have to win every single game. They have to win series. And if they win series, they're going to be in great shape. If they win series, they're going to win the division, folks. It's that simple. Win series, win division. And honestly, I don't still think they're going to win the division. I think we're going to lose series. But that's okay. You're allowed to lose. It happens all the time in baseball. A 550 winning percentage is going to get you a playoff spot this year. 550%. This is a crappy pep talk. I feel worse about myself than I did at the beginning You of should segment. feel terrible about yourself. <laughs> you are a horrible person, along with the majority of Birdland are horrible people. First of all, yes, I'm a horrible person. Second of all, baseball has nothing to do with You're it. You're the same people that were like going to lose their crap if the Ravens lost to the Bills at home. Uh, that wasn't going to happen. Anyway, can I go back to... Bad losses. Sure, sure, I, sure. I got I got off on a tangent, which got you off on a tangent, and now I'm just ashamed. Yes. Um, are there games that you can identify as being just woof? I remember that loss. It was awful. Because I have one that that really sticks with me, and that's the 18 inning loss to the Rays in the 2013 season. Oh, that's a good one. That was the game that I really felt took the wind out of the sails for the Orioles. Because remember, I feel like it was about this time, maybe like September 24th, something like that. The Orioles were still in it. You know, the, the season was starting to wind down, but they had really gotten to the point where they they were still relevant. And after that loss, they were just never the same. You know, they never had that look in their eyes, and it was just they, they played it out and they didn't make it. I remember watching that game and being so surprised because in 2012, remember we won that 18-inning uh, game in uh, Seattle. in Seattle, yep. and you know, after the the magic that was 2012, I just thought, oh, this is what we do. We're gonna we're gonna play an 18 inning game. We're gonna win, and it's gonna propel us into the playoffs. And then something else happened, and I was like, <laughs> that's not how it's supposed to work. Yeah, I think for me, I mean, going to go back to 2013 too. Um, as and it comes back to um, the Diamondback series with the multiple walk off games, back to back to back walk offs, basically, and that's when in August of that year, I said, it's not our year. It's not going to happen. If another team can do that that many times, um, I, I'm just not going to – it's not going to happen this year. It, it didn't have that same magic and aura. And I can't believe that neither of us leapt to this immediately, but what about playoff losses? We already know how I feel about playoff losses. We're not talking playoff losses. I, I think that one of the worst days of my Orioles fandom was the game four of the ALCS that I refused to watch. Ooh. Um, but I, I, you know, I don't remember that game because I didn't watch it. Uh, go back to episode ninety nine point nine 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 for that story. Uh, Summer song was that ninety nine point nine nine or ninety nine point five? It was one, it's of, one the, of those. It was one of the not one hundred episodes. Just go, type go in bird's eye view summer song and it'll come up right away um but yeah i i watch these orioles uh as they play and every time we have a a, you know just gut-wrenching loss i try to make sure that i come back the next day and say you know what it's fine it's over it's done we're still in a good spot we're only a couple games back we're still in the playoffs it's good but every time we have one of those gut-wrenching losses i can't help but think is this one of those losses that's going to hurt real bad when i look back you know, next year or 2018. And the other thing is that, you know, Scott, you and I just thought of games instantly from a couple of seasons ago. You and I both expect that the window is going to close at some point. We're going to have, you know, a real rebuilding period that we hope is not 14 years. Right. It will be, though. What I hope... <laughs> now who's the bad? Now who's the bad person? What I hope... Look at the farm that, system. <laughs> is that while, you know, the O's are down, these, these losses won't haunt me even worse. So, Birdland, I'm curious. What are the ones that eat at you? Which are the losses that just stick in your craw? Which are the losses that when you look back at, you think, gosh, if only we didn't lose that game, things would have been different. I, I can tell you what will be number one in Birdland history. All right, let me hear it. Guarantee it. 1979 World Series Game 7. It has to be uh, one of the worst games ever in Orioles history. It has to be. Yeah, 
I know you weren't alive, but man, I heard so many stories about that game. It has to be 1979 Game 7. Well, let us know. Birdland, tweet at us. We're at BirdseyeViewBAL. And uh, use, the, use the hashtag BadOsLoss. I want to know when it was, and I want to know how you felt. Feed me your tears, Birdland. I must know. All right, let's find out who is the boss this week in Fantasy Boss. Wait a second here. Let me look at these numbers again. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on a second. That's not right. Jake, you had one job. No ties this year. That was my job. And you screwed it up. But we did tie. Why are you playing my music? I didn't win this week. Well, I was just doing the rough calculation again. I was like, wait a second here. That's that's not right. So, um... Scott, neither of us are the boss this week. Last week's episode... Or last week's episode, we did uh, Fantasy Boss was Extra Base Hits. That was the category. And you picked uh, Mark Trumbo. I picked Adam Jones. And Mark Trumbo had two doubles. Adam Jones had two home runs. And last time I checked, two and two equal. That's a tie. That's a tie. Why did we not think of a tiebreaker? Why did neither of us look across the uh, the table here and say, you fool, if they tie, we will have no win to speak of? Mm, that's a shame. That is a shame. Although there was a wild card that clicked tonight. I'm listening. So Wade Miley came out before two innings, which was one of our wild card picks. Yes. So I believe this category goes from 11-9 to 1 now to 11-10 to 1. I object, sir. But I'm right. I object. No. Fantasy Boss goes from Monday to Sunday. You're right about that. But... So you don't get that you don't get that wild card click until, oh, next, until next week's week? show. All right, well I'm gonna eagerly sit on that wild card week. So next week I'm gonna tie is what you're telling me. Oh. <laughs> Maybe I should rethink this. <laughs> All right. So either you, way I'm in trouble. Either you're way you're in trouble. Me. So, so it, it, it was eleven and nine. You clicked on a wild card. You've got that in your back pocket. Next it, week it'll start off at eleven to ten. Yes. Oh. So here's the deal. I got burned on the wild card, so I get to pick the next wild card. Yes. But what do we do about who picks the next Fantasy Boss uh, regular category? I, I think I'm going to let you go ahead and pick something again, and uh, we'll see what happens. And I may come back and veto this as well. So, <laughs> All right. So I get to pick the next category and the next wild card? Yes. Ooh. Okay, this is this is for all the marbles. That not only the Orioles in Dire Straits, Fantasy Boss. This I think this is the closest we've ever been this late, is it not? Um, it's this is relatively close. Yes. Yikes! All right. Um, so we've got to go with something special. Here's the thing, Fantasy Boss. I like the things that are easy to count sure. because some fools out there, and particularly the ones that wanted the segment to come back, count along with us all week um so i'm gonna do it this way let's be super easy um just like jake english just like jake english um it's all those years of catholic so let's do rbi okay a completely worthless stat are you vetoing rbi no we can go rbi runs batted in who you got man i would love to say caleb joseph i know (laughs) (laughs) i was i was baiting you for caleb joseph um but no i'm gonna go with manny machado all right, Manny Machado is an excellent, uh, excellent choice. I am, uh, I'm going to go with Chris Davis. Okay. Chris Davis has been in fuego lately, so I can understand that choice as well. He has been in fuego. Can we just take a quick moment before we move on? Sure. Uh, we keep talking about Chris Davis. I feel like he, he's been, you know, the good, bad, and the ugly. He's been good so often recently because I feel like we need to talk about that. Uh, worth the contract this year? Um, living up to it to a certain regard i wouldn't say exceeding it um but he's, he's had he's been up at that value range i think he's the second best uh f4 uh position player on the team back behind manny machado i think last time i checked he was at like 3.0 f4 so oh, about what 24 million dollars worth of value right there yeah that sounds about right for chris Tillman, chris davis's uh contract so good job chris davis all right could have been better this year but good job so while you're talking I'm trying to think of the next wild card. Wild card. Um, and here's the thing. We we had a pitching category that got clicked on, so we need to pick another uh, pitching category. I would like to start with the starting pitching. Okay. 
And I would like to uh, go with walks. Okay. Okay. Next start, fewer than two walks. And I have to pick a starter? Starter. Um, okay. I'm going to go with Abaldo Jimenez. Ah, that was my pick. Really? Yeah, I'm going to go with Abaldo Jimenez. God, that's a great pick. That's really good. Especially because no one expects the Spanish Inquisition. He's been so locked in lately. I think that is a great pick. Oh, I just gave you a wild card. He's also going to be going against the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, In that case, I'm going to go with Gosman. Mm-hmm. I think Gosman is an excellent selection, too. I don't think so. I'm not I'm not as confident as I would be in Ubaldo Jimenez. And that is a crazy statement. But this he, is but a, a whole new world. Here's why Gosman's a better pick. Gosman's going to go on Thursday. Jimenez is going to go on Friday. So if you click before I do, you get the wild card. All right. I feel a little bit better, but not as much as I'd like. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens as the week turns. That's the second reference. All right. That was also brought to you by Dawn, and you should definitely make sure that you uh, get all the oil off the feathers of the the ducklings with that particular brand. That's right. All right. Let's find out who is really good, who is really bad, and who is really ugly. Hey, so it's time for the good and the bad and uh, and the ugly. So I'm going to start this week. We've been uh, heralding praises on um, a certain pitcher, and that pitcher goes into the good category. Jake, I am taking away the Lifetime Ugly Achievement Award. What? It is gone. This is unprecedented. So we didn't pick a Baldo last week, mainly because I was like, I'm going to wait to see if the pumpkin turns back in. But I feel like I have to take the sullied mantle off of his shoulders this week and say Abaldo Jimenez is good and he may be the best pitcher right now on the Orioles. Ooh, grass crown to Abaldo Jimenez. Wow. Yeah, Abaldo Jimenez is no longer the all-time ugly award. Wade Miley might get that now, but <laughs> Abaldo Jimenez does not get it anymore. Uh, he is, uh, his, his mantle has been removed from him. So Abaldo Jimenez, kudos, well done. Um, really exceptional work um you know if you could keep it up for the rest of the season that'd be amazing but doing what you did with chris tillman out um preserved and saved this Orioles season so abaldo jimenez thank you from all Orioles fans all right my good is gonna go to michael Bourne. no no really michael Bourne. wait who he's jason Bourne's brother Oh, okay yeah gotcha michael Bourne is my good for this week and here's the thing Bourne has given the orioles quality at bats in his limited appearances he was brought in here to shore up the outfield situation particularly at a time in which adam jones is on the shelf with his hamstring injury this past week alone he had a 290 weighted runs created plus and I, i understand small sample size 12 plate appearances but he had three hits in nine at bats all right listen three hits hmm all extra base. Wow. Of the double and home run variety. And I will take that from a fringe guy. I will take that from a guy that was brought in here just to provide some additional value. And so for that, he's good this week. All right. So Jake, my bad for this week is actually going to go to it's going to go to Dylan Bundy who started a game only went 3 and 2 thirds, had some impressive strikeout rates, but that command again is way off. Um ground ball rate was really down this week too. Dylan Bundy just does not look like the same dominating pitcher that um, he was earlier this season. So Dylan Bundy, he's in my bad and watching for ugly list. Um, So just keep an eye out. All right, my bad for this week is Mark Trumbo. He is ice cold, you know, and he's one of the regulars. He's getting the most at bats, you know, in, in this particular past week. He had 25 plate appearances. And for that to show for himself, he had only four hits. Um He's just not getting it done. You know, two two singles and two doubles is really all he had. It was a 31 rated weighted runs created plus. He's batting a buck 74 in the past week. The Orioles need production from the middle, the top, and the bottom of the order, and they're not getting it from Mark Trumbo. So for this week, he's bad. Jake, Mark Trumbo isn't just bad. He's ugly. 
Look, Mark Trumbo not making an impact on this team. For as much folks as people gave criticism to Chris Davis for earlier this season about how bad he's been, how are people not giving more criticisms to Mark Trumbo? Is it just because the contract isn't basically looming over his head? I think that's the only reason. Mark Trumbo deserves the ugliest of ugly. I also thought it was interesting of, um, you know, Mark Trumbo, there were some great articles actually posted today about Mark Trumbo basically being absolutely horrible against left-handed pitching. It makes no sense in the world. Like, Mark Trumbo's a right-handed hitter. He should be absolutely crushing left-handed pitching, but he's been absolutely horrible this season. Um, But every single time that lineup comes out against the left-handed pitcher, where's Mark Trumbo? He's number four in the order. Again, it makes no sense. Mark Trumbo is ugly. But it's not just because he's been ugly in this regard, but it's also the ugly aspect where people have been holding Chris Davis and Mark Trumbo to a different standard. So Mark Trumbo, ugly. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with my ugly this week, and <clears throat> Scotty, I'm gonna need a little bit of time here. Just one second. Let me push this soapbox over. Thank you. Okay, Thank you're you. good now. Go ahead, step out onto it. Go ahead. My ugly this week goes to Alan Smith and Sam Digman of the Baltimore Ons podcast, Ooh. which looks more and more like it's not coming back. Why? Why are they ugly this week? Well, because something happened in Birdland that requires their attention their perspective, and frankly, their exasperated, nervous laughter. <laughs> Baltimoreans was the social justice podcast of Birdland. Baltimoreans was the morality tale wrapped in a joke of Birdland. And Birdland never needed them more than this week. Alan Smith, Sam Dingman, you're ugly in your absence this week. And I'm talking, of course, about the response on social media from certain corners of Birdland to the comments that Adam Jones made in USA Today. I called it Today in White Privilege on the Twitters. Now, I'm not going to single any one out, and I'm not going to hop on my high horse and shame individuals, mostly because I don't want to dignify them with more attention. Adam Jones made a comment, or a series of comments, in USA Today, and uh, there was one piece of that article that I found really interesting, and it's a piece that's not finding its way into the sound bites. We'll talk more about sound bites in a minute. The article says as follows, quote, The problem, Jones says, is that most fans don't want to hear their athletes share their opinions outside of the sports world. They're not supposed to talk about race, religion, political views, or anything that could create ill will or discomfort among the fan base. You know, stick to sports. End quote. Here's the thing. We do want our athletes to share their opinions. There is a demand for that, a fact which is supported by the fact that these athletes are followed on social media in droves, and the fact that Baltimore and 30 other fan bases are served by, what, a dozen at least? Beat reporters that describe the accounts of the games, and when they're not doing that, they're responsible to get us closer access to whom? The players. The players as people. There absolutely is a demand for that, and we as a sports culture and a culture at large feed that demand. So Birdland, this can go one of two ways. We can either have athletes who we pay this much attention to and demand to to hear from them. We can have one of two ways, those that stand for something or those that stand for nothing. And I don't know about you, but I prefer the former. So what did Jones say exactly? Well, I encourage you to read the article yourself. Because nothing about my incredibly opinionated account of the article will do it justice. Dylan Atkinson, friend of the program, writes for uh, Orioles Uncensored and the Orioles Uncensored podcast, said in a tweet that got featured on Twitter moments, whatever the hell that is, uh, he said it best. Quote, Adam Jones is going to be loved by those who've read the piece and hated by those who just read the headline. End quote. Jones said that this country has a serious problem with the way that minorities are treated. He said that it's absurd that Colin Kaepernick is being treated the way that he is for bringing attention to it. And he said that the form of expression available to the players of the NFL are not there for those of uh, Major League Baseball players because the sport is dominated by white athletes. Black athletes are simply too marginal a population to withstand the backlash the players in the NFL receive. And a backlash he has received. Indeed. If comments like this make you uncomfortable, it's because they contain certain truths. 
And I'm not going to go on an even more long-winded rant about race relations in this country. Again, that's what we demand from the Baltimoreans. I am, however, going to tell you that if you read Adam Jones's thoughtful statements in USA Today and come to the conclusion that lashing out or attacking him personally is the correct response, then you are part of a much larger problem, a problem to which Jones and many others are trying to draw attention. Sam Dingman, Alan Smith, you are ugly this week. We need the voice of sanity. So normally on the show, this is where we would go ahead and blow the save. But let's be honest here. The save has already been blown. And, uh, well, Wade Miley came in this game and basically blew the lid off of it. So we really don't need to blow the save on this one. So um, yeah, we're just, we're just going to call it with, with that. And um, we're going to go ahead and uh, close this thing up. Yeah, sorry. Wade Miley got me a grumpopotamus <laughs> to begin with. I'm uh, <clears throat> not in a good frame of Orioles mind right now. It seems to be a lot of people not in a good Orioles frame of mind, frame of mind for as good as things are beat right now. I'll in, be fine tomorrow. I'll be fine tomorrow. The Orioles are in good shape. They got the chance to come back. You know, even if they don't win this series, just like we talked about with Toronto, if they manage just to win one of this series, they're still within a stone's throw. And uh, I think that that's a good spot for the Orioles to be in. You're cute that you still think they're in the division. Hey, Playoff. Playoffs, baby. They're not out of the division. Just get to the playoffs. Until they're out of it. Baltimore Beyond? I bid you a fond adieu-adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there, and let's go O's. I spent 15 years watching for that E column, the, the magic number. Yeah. And it's not here yet. Yeah. here it's over go home go